Hello, my name is Ron Little. I'm CEO of Wolfton Resources. Wolfton's a company listed on the Vancouver Exchange. We're focused on exploring and developing polymetallic precious metal deposits and, and nickel sulfide deposits in Canada and northeast corner of the U.S. Uh, we're, we've got development projects as well as exploration projects and well-funded for this year's program. So look forward to telling you more of what we're doing here in this interview. Nice to have you back, Ron. How are you? I'm very well, Matt. Yourself? Yep. Surviving. Surviving here. We had you back on the beginning of February. So I just wanted to get an update because we've seen a few press releases out and we've had lots of questions sent in. Where are you at uh, with your various projects? So you have three projects, right? Yeah, I call them more three silos. Um, okay. We, you know, I think we're most known right now for call it our polymetallic silo in Maine. So we've we've got this really the highest grade DMS deposit. So it's copper, lead, zinc, silver, gold. Uh, it's, you know, four to five million tons of close to 20% zinc equivalent, which is double the average grade of most production. And so we're, we're drilling that to make it bigger. And we're also in the in the early stages of pre-permitting the project in Maine, because this is the first project, uh, you know, to build a mine in Maine in in quite a few years. Well, that, that's and the, that's the got, big ticket. I mean, that's the that's the big issue, Ron, isn't it? I think for some people, they're waiting for you to get that permit through. So, um, what more can you do, or what more do you know with regards to timing? Yeah, I, I mean, I've when I've been encouraging investors to call is just. We everybody has to be a bit patient on this. You know, when you're the first company in 30 years to to build a mine here, potentially, uh, you know, we're really educating the public on modern mining techniques. Because when you look at what was mined 40 years ago, you know, companies went bankrupt, they didn't have proper tailings, and and they left a scar. So they've left this image that you know small companies go bankrupt and leave a prop problem. This ironically is going to be one of the greenest mines, you know, of the modern era, dry stack tailings, underground only, water filtration. So, you know, this is not going to be like what it was from the past. On top of that, all the money has to be put up front so that no matter what happens to the company, the state is not left with an issue. So we go through a two-step process we we rezone to allow mining in a in a remote area because there's really nobody around us where we own a big plot of land and the mine is actually on our land we own the mineral rights and and there's no houses there's no permanent dwellings for miles so you couldn't pick a better place to build a mine and you know the rezoning we thought would take a year it's likely going to take two we're halfway through it and, and that's going to be a big milestone because we go from rezoning into full permitting. And, and that's a typical permitting process with a full baseline study feasibility. So we've used essentially a, a PEA or a preliminary study to get through rezoning, which is all you need. It's sort of a, it's a high level approval that the state is welcome to mining. And, and I think once we get through that, it is going to be a big milestone for our story because now there's going to be a much higher level of comfort that we'll get through the permitting process as well. Okay, so let's dig into that because it's really important that we understand it and, and, and you deal with it. So um, the rezoning process, you thought it would take one year, it's going to take two, you're halfway through. So what 
did you think back then, what have you learned and why are you confident that it's going to be two years, not three? Well, I think um, one COVID did get in the way, right? As soon as we applied, basically, we, we got into a COVID situation. So all the regulators have had to review the project in a more complicated way. And that includes meetings and site visits. Uh, and so that probably has added six months to the equation. Then the, the nature of the preliminary study, uh, it, it, it causes, you know, you to stop and, and do other little studies to show that the preliminary design is going to work. So it comes down to the water, the soils, the tailings design. So the natural question is, oh, can you show us just a little more science behind that design? Whereas if we had a full feasibility study in our hands, all of the, all of that work is in your hand. So it's, it's a balance. We, we don't want to spend essentially the 20 million required to do the full feasibility if we don't get a permit at the end of the day. So we're trying to do this with two or 3 million to say the concept works, then we'll go and spend the 20 million on the full feasibility. Right, so the, the, the green component, as you outlined, sounds expensive. You've got dry stack tailings, did you say underground? Is that yep. what, yeah. Yeah. And you've got a water filtration and you've got to put money up front. I mean, talk us through all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, it all comes down to when you've got high grade, you can afford to do the greenest mine, right? So, you know, let's say the dry stack tailings would add a dollar per ton to your production costs. The water filtration, which basically you can, you know, drink out of the pipe when it comes, when it goes back, filtered into the ground through a, an infiltration pipe, much like a septic field would do. So nothing pours out the pipe that gets back into the groundwater. And then, you know, the filtration would add 50 cents to 75 cents a ton. And then the infrastructure to go with it adds a little more capex. So we have the benefit of doing that by having such a high margin on our grade. And, and uh, you know, this is why mines often operate near, you know, the, the level required by the regulation because they're trying to maximize, you know, the profit of the mine. And, and we've got the benefit of, you know, if we put up 15 to 20 million up front as the reclamation and closure costs, you know, we still get a return of over 40% IRR at lower metal prices than where we are today. So that's where, you know, the economics uh, are, are in our favor when you've got that high grade. And do you, does that mean you don't need to have a sort of like a remediation bond or reclamation bond? Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. So in Maine, you put it into essentially they call it a trust and it. it's managed by the Department of Environmental Protection. So that way, you know, if at any point in time they decide we're not meeting the regulations, they can basically shut us down. And the worst case is we're going to draw on that fund and, and close it up and make it back to what it looked like before. And that'd be your responsibility, not the province. Well, you know, I think if they shut it down, they would probably manage it themselves. You know, how the bottom line is there's just there is enough money in in the trust to do all of that and that's the that's the reassurance to the public that they're not left funding 
a closure. Are the directors of the company held culpable or responsible if something does go wrong? Was it just, well, there's a bond, that'll, that's all we need to worry about? Well, I, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's getting a little bit deep. Like nobody is out to cause an issue. Sure. Keep in mind that, you know, the, the whole premise of the new mining code in Maine is that, uh, you know, they, they really want to protect their water, right? That's the number one concern because Maine is all about hiking and fishing and, and the environment. And the water standards are you have to return the water to the ground the same quality as it comes out. And we are totally comfortable that that's going to happen. Like the water filtration plant is not new and, and you, you, they're used on other industries. Now, it depends on what level of, of, of filtration you run it at. Obviously, we're going to run it to the highest standard. There's even a reverse osmosis in the system. Uh, so it's going to be clean. And, and when you put clean water back in, you know, as directors of the company, we worry less because we're not going to let it run with anything less than the standard, right? It's, I don't think, it's not in our mind that we're going to, you know, have the DEP come and shut us down. We're going to be monitoring that water on a daily basis. Okay, pick a man, you've got one drill going at the moment. Is that, what's the, to what end are you doing a resource update anytime soon? Yeah, actually, great question. Uh, we're, we've been, you know, we've been drilling in the footwall to try to identify more tonnage. And, and as part of that, we're really trying to unwrap the geology. So to do that, you update your three-dimensional model. So certainly you can expect us uh, probably within the next quarter to come out with an update on our model. And that would include drilling from two years ago. Yeah. Okay. In interesting. So again, so I guess the point is to, to what end? I mean, what are you, what are you trying to show the market there? It's polymetallic. You said it's high grade. It's underground, 10 year life of mine, but you're whatever, nearly 50 million market cap. No one's really listening. So you, you need to do something with that and, you know, help people understand what, what the end game is there. So how, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, call it the secret to, you know, yeah, of, you know, trying to build up a junior company to a producer, right? I mean, the, what you're really saying is, you know, Wolfton's a 50 million market cap, the mine is 150 million to build. How do you get your market cap to over 150 million is the secret sauce. So, um, you know, you do two things, you drill to show it's bigger. And on a parallel path, you proceed with permitting to show that you can get a permit in Maine. And that's exactly what we're doing. And, and you know, the, the permitting to us, we're going to take our time to make sure we do it right. Because, you know, it's important to Maine that this project proceeds because it can afford the greenest situation. Like Maine could actually say, we drove the highest standard and now there's a mine. We're tr setting the trend worldwide that this is the kind of mine people should build and run. It's environmentally as friendly as it gets. So that path, you know, whether it takes us four months or 12 months, we're not as concerned. Uh, and then on the drilling, you know, we've only had one drill running since March. And it's been tougher, you know, with COVID to try to get, you know, drilling in that northeast corner because Maine has just not been a mining state. And a lot of the, you know, the mining boom has come back and most of the drillers and the drills are Nevada and Alaska. So it's a challenge to try to, you know, build our crews. And of course, 
making more discoveries will certainly then the drilling companies will say, hey, we can let's put a drill there. We see a mine coming. So, it, you know, it feeds off of itself. So you, you do need the discovery effort to go with the building effort. Right. So but that's still the flagship project. Yep. Okay. Yep. Right. So let's yep. talk about the other two because I want to understand how you, how you get out. So let's go for the one you couldn't tell me much about at the beginning of February, which is Big Silver. Because uh, you still wanted yeah. to uh, either either option or or, or types and land packages. So, what's been happening since we spoke? Yeah, so we've you're you're right. We were cryptic about even where it was in Maine. We've been focused on on we optioned a plot of land. It's got you know a hundred holes with all of them mineralized with silver. It is still a polymetallic, but it's not a VMS deposit like we have at Pickett Mountain. It's it's what would have been a probably a big open pit deposit, but it's got really high grade silver components. And that's what we're focused on for Maine would be the underground, but more bulk mining. And it's, it's, it's virtually a model that's untested and it's in the right rocks. And then we, we noticed we have the same potential rocks in our new Brunswick projects across the border. So now we're, you know, this is what I call the silver silo. We're focused on potentially high-grade silver deposits, you know, underground in Maine, open pit potential New Brunswick, and one deposit's going to help the other with our modeling. And so we're getting both of those ready to drill late summer, early fall. Okay. And that's, you know, investors have been more focused, let's say, on silver and gold in the last six months. And, uh, you know, this adds a whole new dynamic to our story that we've got this, you know, precious metal silo and and lots of indication that there's more in the ground. Okay, so so just give me a bit more then because I'm not quite sure I picked it up. So it's got a hundred holes. Have you done any drilling? Sorry, did you say? Not yet. No, not yet. Okay. No. So what are you reinterpreting some old data? Yep. Right. Exactly. Okay. And will you be you raised four million bucks in March? Are you going to be allocating any of that towards Big Silver? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we've got about uh, six and a half million in the treasury. And uh, I'd say more than likely, um, we're probably going to spend at least a third of our budget on the silver, silver stories, right? And, and these could take on a life of their own. Like, I think back to your leading question, we've, we've got really call it the Pickett Mountain base metal polymetallic silo. The silver silo could take on a life of its own. We may end up having to spin one of these out because you can't have sort of three company makers in one junior company. And that's really our goal here is to develop all three in the short term. Like we're going to be able to run the nickel, silver and base metal this year and be able to, to be in a position to potentially spin one of these out. Or two. Or two. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a nice, it's a bit of a nice dilemma to say which one's really going to take off. And, and I think, you know, the difference is like, let's come back to reality. You know, the main story is a development story is, and it's a mind building story, which really doesn't get your average, you know, exploration investor too excited. And it's got a lot of our time and, and our focus on it. That's something you don't spin to somebody else. Like it's going to take us to, you know, our involvement to get this through the permitting process. Um, which, you know, there's two or three of us with our hands on that. And even 
even I'd say if somebody came in to take us over because we've got through rezoning and now there's a belief we can build, you generally keep the one or two guys around that have been the face of the company with the regulators, with the state. Uh, I mean, that's a very common thing. Okay. Let's come back to that point about spin ads in, in a second, because um, I just want to finish off on, on big silver and then get onto the nickel component. So, um, with 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 big silver, obviously it's very topical, right? Silver has been very topical. And at the time we were talking about it, silver was doing particularly well. It was it was you know top of the agenda for a lot of people. Um, you, how, how much does that cost you in terms of you know? Well, how much have, did it cost to acquire? To how much have, are you, have you spent on it? So let's start with that. Yeah, I'd, I mean, we've optioned the mineral rights there. So it's, it you know, like any option, it's not costing a lot for the first couple of years. So right. our goal is to put the money in the ground. We earn our way in. And, and, you know, we ended up with a database that was not digital. All those hundred holes, you know, we had to build the digital database, right? And then, and what now that we've done that, you know, we're about to get on the ground to do some mapping, some sampling, and we'll drill a few holes to verify the previous work. And then we're going to springboard from there. And then, of course, we've talked to the neighboring property owners to get their permission to work on their land. And it's, and it's this main is unique is that people own the mineral rights. You don't go stake a claim. And so, you know, it's a, it's a win-win usually for the company to say, let's do some geophysics, some mapping. If we're going to drill a hole, then we'll come back and try to come up with an agreement on the property mineral rights. Okay. So that's where we are. Yeah. So with, with that option, what are the terms? I mean, how much money do you need to spend over how much time? And, at the, at, and can at any point during that option period, you bring in a partner or do you need to spend the money before you can farm it out or spin it out? Yeah, we haven't really discussed the, the terms of that deal, but I, I'd say, you know, we've got to be in the ballpark of spending about $5 million to, you know, complete that option. And, you know, that's over a five-year period, right? It's, it's you know, it's, it's not a huge burden for us if we're successful in the first round of drilling. And, and again, it's the money's going in the ground. It doesn't go to the prospector. They have some annual payments, but it's, it's you know, they're in it, you know, the, the final, the final uh, win for the property owner or the owner of the mineral rights rather is that they get a small royalty in it of which we can buy back all of it in some cases. And that's where they get their payment is sort of the, when when this goes to a production, if it goes to a production scenario, they have a win as well. Okay, so, so that's obviously much further down the line. So there's what some small annual payments to them, but their real win is through NSR or equity in what? No, sorry, just NSR on the on the production when it happens. Yeah, so goes, exactly. Okay, so it's quite a long term play for them, um, yeah. if ever. Well, but they continue to own it. So what what have you actually optioned then? Just the the ability, what the mineral rights, just the yeah, mineral we, right. what does that mean? Yeah, so what I mean, it basically, you know, let's go back to Maine. When you buy land, it comes with the land, timber rights, and mineral rights. And sometimes landowners split mineral rights and timber rights. And so, by having those rights, you get access to the property either to cut the wood or to mine the minerals. 
And so, you know, there's probably well over a million acres in Maine where the mineral rights have been split and, and various other people own them. So when you, in this case, we came up to the project, you know, we were approached by the person that owned the mineral and the mining rights. So we optioned those. And then now we looked at the land and said, There's a, this is a much bigger geological story here. Let's explore three or four times the package to make sure that this is actually the best part of the ore body. So our preliminary work is really mapping, soil sampling, geophysics, just to make sure that, you know, there isn't another ore body out there. And, and then we'll zoom in on not only drilling the known resource, we'll likely, very likely, I'm expecting that we're going to find other targets that we're going to want to drill in the area as well. Okay. Let's talk nickel and then let's come back to spinouts. Okay. So um, you got two nickel projects effectively. So again, where are you with those since we spoke? Oh, yeah. So on the nickel, we drilled in, uh, you know, March, March into early April. Um, some of that drilling, you know, we were right at the tail end of the winter season and it got warm and, you know, equipment, we had to cross the ice, et cetera. So we had to stop early. We, we really only got in half the holes. And out of those holes, you know, we have indication the deposit continues at depth and we didn't have the opportunity to drill the bigger step outs. So we've been modeling that system. And, you know, we've also been modeling the second nickel project that we have. And this is, that modeling is going to be very important to showing the value of those projects vis-a-vis if we're gonna spin them out, you know, the person that's gonna be interested in, in investing in those or in the asset directly needs the needs the technical model and so those models are well advanced at this moment and our intention is to go back this this uh this fall or winter to drill both uh rice island and the nickel island deposits and they're two slightly different geological models but they're nickel sulfide and they're roughly about you know a one percent plus one percent nickel equivalent right okay so and they're of, they're of a size which starts to become interesting to people as well. So, so this is probably, is this your preferred spin out, really? Because it sounds, sounds like Big Silver's early days, right? There's, you need a bit of time, a bit of money spent on that one. So this, this is the spin out, really. So what, how do you move this forward? Yeah, so, so two things. To, how do you qualify this deposit, like you're bang on, these are real deposits, okay? They're, as you said, Big Silver is an exploration project, you know, to be defined, how big is the ore body? We know that, you know, in our minds, even though there's not a qualified report, we're, we're seeing better than 5 million tons of volume as a rough model for both Rice Island and for Nickel Island, okay? So, and if you look at a 1% plus nickel equivalent, this puts both projects in the 50 to the 100,000 tons of nickel. And that's sort of the number that the nickel market is looking for. So now to us, that is the obvious first spin out because we've been looked at for VMS, polymetallic, now some precious metals. The nickel has really now got attractive because of the EV market and the lack of good nickel deposits. 
And so, and there's very few juniors that have advanced projects like this. So this is the one we're, we're basically packaging it. Uh, we're, we're still pushing ahead. Like I think if we spin this out, there's still some involvement in it uh, with us directly because of the time we've put into the region. And the goal is to see if, if we can attract either an investor into a wholly owned subsidiary. And at some point we might roll that into a, a, another advanced nickel story. So the, the guys who, you know, who are calling us are not just all at investors in mining projects. There'd be nickel guys saying, Hey, what are you doing with those assets? Why don't you roll them into our project? Right. I was going to say, how, how do you advance it? Because you're still a little bit of work to do. And you don't necessarily want to be, you know, continually raising money. It's kind of dilutory. I mean, are there any solutions? Out there? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, so two things, you know, the model leads to what's the value that's there today. Like when you look at two juniors or a junior with a nickel deposit, like one of ours, it's typically about a 40, 50 million market cap. Um, and we've got two of them. So that gives you the, to me, these, this is up to a hundred million of value that's being overlooked in our, in Wolfton. And, and with those models, we could say to investor, why don't you invest directly into a subsidiary? We will cause a liquid event later. So they'd put up the money to do the next round of drilling, next round of modeling, and we're not going to issue any Wolfton shares. And at some point in time, we either IPO it or roll it into another deal for X amount of shares in that new company. Okay. Right. Okay. And then they, the new investor gets their pro rate share and the Wolfton gets their pro rate share. And it's up to us whether we keep that or dividend it out to our shareholders. Right. Okay. So that's clear. Cause I think it's clear from the questions being sent in to us that people weren't quite sure what you do. You seem to be, you know, one minute we're talking, uh, you know, Zed, Link, Copper, PGMs on, on Picket Mountain. Then we're talking silver. It felt yeah. like you were going to segue over to silver and then. You got nickel. You know, what you're saying is three distinct silos, your word. Nickel is a definite, definite potential, definite potential spin out. Yeah. There's a bit of work to do on, on big silver. It's early days, but um, a fair bit of work in terms of resource updates. Um, you know, you've done the PEA there um, on, on Picket Mountain. You know how you're going to progress that forward. So that's very much your focus but you will be you've got these projects off to the side which again you know how you're going to tackle those is that is that what it is yeah yeah i mean let's sum that up there's three silos one is call it a an ev market right like it's a really attract nickels up ev is hot two advanced projects where there really aren't many advanced projects in the space very easy to package that up advance it whatever that's the easiest spin out the development story in maine with picket mountain when that is permitted and ready to build i don't doubt a bigger company is likely going to come and say ron you can finance that maybe on your own or why don't you merge with us we'll build this together with a bigger balance sheet the silver is is really the pure upside story it's got a lot of big project potential it's in the silver space it's not going to take us a lot of funding to advance it. And, you know, we know from the drilling that's there, when we start drilling that, we're anticipating some pretty good holes. So that kind of is the exploration upside 
really in the short term for Wolfton. Right. Okay. So, but again, for, just to be clear for people, maybe getting distracted by key buzzwords here. So, so, so nickel. There's a plan. There are conversations. It is hot at the moment. You're right, but you're not going to be a nickel company. That will be a spin out or farm in or some solution which will benefit Wolfton shareholders. Big silver. It's early days, so you're not necessarily a silver company yet. No. But you're going to work out if you are. The focus is absolutely still, you know, on Picket Mountain. Correct. Brilliant. Yeah. Nice and clear. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> only, only took only took an hour to get clarity. So apologies on that. Well, it's 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 just you know people get distracted by buzzwords. You know, you mentioned silver, and some people lose their minds and go, "This is now a silver yeah. company," and you know you've been really clear with us and. This well, this occasion because you couldn't say much last time we spoke to you about where that's at and nickel is exciting at the moment. So it just so again, just I want to be clear in terms of conversations. So you've had a, a few inbounds, you've had a few conversations around that, but the you and the board are yet to decide the best way forward with that or the the, the one way forward with that. There's there's lots of thing, lots of options on the table. That's, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, in reality, all exploration companies are incubators of their projects. And, you know, you inevitably, you become who you are, you're defined by your best discovery, right? So even though we've got three silos, we've really got three company makers to, to get there, which, you know, everything's about protecting your downside and your investment. So here you can sort of buy Wolfton at 30 cents when we really think it's a $1 value stock, right? And, and all those, those two other silos, whichever one you, you think we spin, those are, those are going to sort of add that value to, uh, to, to, to your investment. So, and, and it's to come over the next year. Like we're going to, we're going to unlock this value within a year. And I think that's a pretty short time frame for an investor these days. 